Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. I am your host, Clint Wells, one half of Metal Up Your Podcast with my homie, Ethan Luck. These are bonus episodes where we listen to 10 songs, maybe talk about some music. I did not do and Ask Me Anything because you guys have asked us enough. And uh, because we've asked you to do that. And uh, there was a guy on one of the socials recently who said, that was a good episode, but I think there are some things that should not have been asked of you. It's like, well, it doesn't ask us anything. But I get it. There's some things you guys don't want to hear us talk about, and that's fine, too. Um, we're not going to really do a lot of deep dives today, I don't think. Maybe we will. I don't know. By the way, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Now, what does that mean for most people, like you guys? It means that your bullshit week of work is through, and you get to have fun and be with your families or do anything, whatever the things are that you like to do. Here's what Friday means for me. I have to get on a bus again tonight and drive to Dallas, where tomorrow we are playing on the television show The Real Housewives of Dallas. I don't know anything about the show. I've never seen it, and um, but we're going to be on that, strangely. I usually work on the weekends. I, don't, I haven't really had... My sister was coming to visit yesterday. She lives in Birmingham, where I'm from. And her husband, my brother-in-law, Adrian, they uh, his family is in Louisville. Now, if you know your geography in these parts of the world, uh, it's basically a straight line, Birmingham, Nashville, Louisville. So coming back down, my sister uh, wanted to stop by with her. She's got three beautiful kids that I love to see. And uh, she was going to stop by, and we're just going to maybe have a meal. They couldn't stay long. And uh, I was working on music and recording like while she was on her way. And she kept texting me like some restaurants, like, where should we pick up food? Should we get barbecue? Should we get Mexican? Blah, blah, blah. And I just, I didn't see it because I was like in my headphones and playing music and recording and writing songs. And my sister, uh, she like started a group there with my wife. I was like, hey, I don't know if Clint's asleep or what, but I can't really get a hold of him. Should we go eat here or there? I'm like, I don't sleep during the day. <laughs> God damn it. People just have an idea, I think, about what musicians' lives are like. And uh, it's usually wrong, unless you're in Motley Crue. And then if your idea of what they were like is from the dirt. That's also wrong. They didn't do all that. Come on. Come on. Nothing really about any of that resonated with any of my experiences. You're around some ladies. You're around some drugs. You're doing some wild stuff. You get a little drunk sometimes. But some of that was just okay. 
The thing that bothered me the most was when they're auditioning guitar, like Nikki Six's band broke up because they got into the final stage. They said, we're going to do something no one's ever heard before. And they get that guitar player, and he can't like learn the riff to Livewire. And Nikki Six is like, come on, man, learn it. He's like, dude, I'm trying. I've literally never played anything like this before. Oh, because it's so otherworldly, cheesy, schlocky, bullshit rock. That motherfucker never learned how to play a Kiss song? Come on. Well, anyway, so it's Friday, and uh, I'm going to get on the bus tonight. I have been told, not as a criticism, maybe a veiled criticism. I don't know. I can't tell. Here's what I know. I know that you people who like the show, you like the show because you like us to do what we want. And that's what we're doing. But I was told that my radio episodes, they don't rock. Where are the fucking rock songs? I, I pepper them in. I sprinkle them in. But by this point, it's it's no uh, mystery that I like, the, I like the delicate stuff. I like the stuff that hits you in the feels, as the millennials say. I was writing with uh, these two younger pop girls, and they were write, talking about catching a feeling. I was like, what, what is that? Wait a second. Ex- this is um, explain to the old man what you kids are saying. They're like, you know, catch a feeling, like you get a vibe. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm not loving having to have that explained to me. Having said that, I do like music that does that. I like I like darker, sadder, slower music. But I also like to rock, and we're going to do that today. We're going to lead off with a barn burner by a band called Queens of the Stone Age from their album Rated R. This is called Feel Good Hit of the Summer. Dig it.
Well, that song's not going to win any children's <laughs> Kids' Choice Awards, that's for sure. There's something really fun, though, about the repetitive nature of it. It starts to take on this strange tension, and I mean, I may be projecting all of this onto it. That's what we all do when we listen to music, so that's okay. But for me, it starts to... I know that that Josh Homie guy likes to do drugs, okay? So I know that fact. So first, it seems like a very blunt ode to drug use. But then the repetitive punk rock nature of that starts to turn it around for me where there starts to build a tension about it. And maybe he, maybe there are all sorts of undertones. Maybe that's the only lyric because he's sort of hopelessly addicted to it. Maybe there's nothing else he can see. I don't know. Maybe it was just supposed to be funny. Um, but that song rocks and there's an energy to it that's just very pure and kind of knowing that he's a man of, a man of the drug. Um, I feel very lucky that drugs never really took for me. I tried many of them. Uh, I won't enumerate them all for you here, but um, it just never... I had fun. Uh, I didn't have a horrible experience or anything. It just wasn't enough to keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, well, okay. And that's when I was younger, and thank goodness I sort of made it through that window okay. I mean, I like to drink. I have a CBD THC pen uh, that I smoke sometimes um and then of course all sorts of sugar and caffeine and all, all sorts of other ways to numb out but i feel lucky that i survived that and especially being 35 now turning 36 soon i know a lot of people that are addicted to drugs or who had to get sober or who need to get sober and can't and uh it'll cut you down it really will cut you down and a lot of the dudes in my profession um we have a lot of conversations about the long game what's it going to look like when we're 50 making music, you know? And the resonating thread that is tied through many of these people is that they have to quit doing drugs. It's just not sustainable. Um, you know, it kills you. George Carlin had a great riff. Uh, you'll have to look it up. It's, it's an interview with George Carlin and John Stewart, but it's when John Stewart was very young. I don't even know if the Daily Show was even happening yet. And it's for some sort of like John Stewart interviews George Carlin in front of a live crowd, like a career retrospective. And they talk about drugs and, and you know, because George Carlin, I don't know if you guys are fans, but very, probably my favorite comedian, sort of the Beatles of comedy for me. And uh, he was kind of the guy you would see on TV, like on the Johnny Carson show, doing the sort of broad five minutes that you would do on a show to, that would help you sell records or sell tickets. And he kind of wasn't this acerbic cultural pre-Bill Hicks prophet that we know him as. And John Stewart's asking him, in a much more eloquent way than I'm doing now, what was the turning point? How did you go from sort of being this broad, young comedian without a lot of perspective, just trying to sell tickets and get on the road, to being this sort of cultural messiah almost, help, help showing us back the culture we live in and showing us what's absurd about the way we live and telling us deep truths about ourselves through comedy? How did that happen? And George Carlin, which surprised me at the time that I saw this interview, credited that to drugs. And he talks about how experimenting with psychedelic drugs, uh, forgive me for using a cliche, open his goddamn motherfucking mind, okay? Squeegeed the third eye. You squeegee the third eye. And there's really something to that, you know? There's really something to what you can learn through that. 
I know that Joe Rogan and Sam Harris, they're all about the effects of DMT and, you know, what, you know, how it can help you, how it can help a human being. Bill Hicks famously says, you know, like, if everyone took hallucinogenic drugs, there'd be no more war because the war would be the, the senselessness of war would become an illusion. You know, you would realize that we're all one. A bunch of woo woo language that I don't track with 100%. But uh, I do think, is from what I've seen, is true. And, and, you know, Bill Hicks also had this whole bit about if you think drugs are bad for the world, go take all your records, all your vinyl, all your cassettes and throw them away because everyone who made the music that you love that has impacted your life positively were real fucking high on drugs. Um, but anyway, having said all that, I don't do any. Let's get on to another song. Now, I don't know if this next band does drugs. Um, I just know that many women find the lead singer beautiful. And therefore, I sort of hate him, you know? You know that sort of hatred you have for someone because other people like them? That sort of poisonous evil within you? I have that for this guy. Nevertheless, the song fucking rocks. It's from the killer's first record called Hot Fuss, which is amazing, by the way. And this is a little deep nugget called Andy, You're a Star, dig it. One, two...
All right, that was Andy, You're a Star by The Killers. What's he talking about in this song? Is Andy, like, the jock in his high school that he wants to have sex with? Is he gay? Or is he the chick in the song? Or was Andy, like, the, a chick on the softball team? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. I've loved that song for years. Don't really know what it's about. Never really looked it up. Because I sort of like being in the gray area of it. And it doesn't really matter, does it? I know what that song makes me think of and how it makes me feel. And sadly, I don't think many people pay attention to lyrics. I know that my wife, who is super smart and loves music, she's not really a lyrics person. Which, by the way, made the old mixtape vibe when we were in our early days of courting a little more complicated than usual. Because... I'd be giving her a mixtape, which, let's face it, it was a mixed CD. And you'd wait, you'd have to wait a few days and be like, hey, 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 you, listen. Did you listen to track three on the mixtape? Oh, yeah, listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I loved it. Loved the whole thing. But did you listen to track three? Because inevitably, one of the tracks would have some sort of overt message to her which would be something like, listen, I really, really like you. And I am really hoping that you like me back. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't recall what track three is. I just, you know, I had a good time listening to it. I'm like, shit. She's like, you know what song I did like, though? I liked that uh, Midlake song, Roscoe. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, you like Roscoe, huh? There's some little lyrical nuggets in there that were very intentionally placed by me. And I'm glad you've honed in on that, my lady. Did you like the lyrics to Roscoe? Oh, I never really paid attention to the lyrics. I didn't even know it was called Roscoe. I had to look it up. I'm like, shit! <laughs> because what do we all want? We want to make sure the message is getting through. All right? And you know what? I'm sort of tempted to play the song Roscoe for you guys right now. It is what I put on the mixed... CD for my lovely lady before I knew she was going to be my lady. And you know what? I don't know if it rocks. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's listen to Roscoe. I put this once on a mixtape for my wife, and uh, she didn't really notice the lyrics. Here we go. Midlake Roscoe. Hey 
that just now it's a mystery to me why i put that on a mixtape for my lady friend the lyrics are very strange and have nothing to do with romantic love i think i just maybe thought the vibe of the song was kind of this great 60s 70s sexy thing lyrics definitely very strange um i must have been a strange cat when i was younger but still super fun and by the way i encourage you all if you like the tunes you hear to um, do some investigating of your own and uh, go buy these records, buy the songs. Even if you go make the dreaded Spotify playlist, good God, don't do that, actually. Don't do it. Go to iTunes and buy the goddamn thing or go to your local record store and be like, hey, I heard this song called Roscoe by Midland. What record is that on? And the very, I'm sure, knowledgeable person behind the counter will probably regale you with all sorts of fun facts about that band and that record and about the time they came and played an in-store in 2006 and the guy got so drunk he threw up on the cash register. Don't you want to hear that story? Aren't we missing those stories? Let a weird guy talk to you for a second. And that's saying a lot for me because I have to get an Ubers all the time. Where, by the way, every weird person in the world wants to talk to me. I'm more likely to talk to a strange person in a musical scenario than in a, in a cab. I'll be honest with you. I certainly don't want to talk to my bug guy about it. 
No, sir. He's super strange. You think I want to talk to him about Roscoe? No, thanks. No, I sure don't. Anyway, go support the music. Support music. Music transforms lives and uh, brings joy to all of us. And uh, there's there's no sense in not throwing some money at it. Now, we took a little detour, but thank you for indulging me. Although, I'm sure some of you were like, I like this Roscoe song. But I realized it didn't rock very much, and I did say at the beginning we were going to try to do some more rocking. I have a rock song here for you by a, uh, in the long lineage of princes of darkness, we have one Mr. Marilyn Manson, Mr. Brian Warner. And this is a song, uh, his heyday being, most people would agree, Antichrist Superstar, on through Mechanical Animals, through Hollywood. And I would agree, too, that those, that's, the, that's the heyday. But he put out a record in 2006 or 7 or 8, somewhere in there. I was still married to my first wife when this came out. Called The High End of Low, which is a great record, really, front to back. I could pick lots of songs off that record to show you. I went with a song that the title is so fun. It's called Arm of Goddamn Motherfucking Geddon. And uh, I guess it's kind of about the end of the world, and it's got tinges of cannibalism and uh, nihilism. It's a wonderful stew of evil metal. And I will play it for you now. Called Arm of Goddamn Motherfucking Geddon by the great Marilyn Manson. Suicidal First 
Let me give you guys just some free advice just right here off the off the uh, top here after hearing that song. Do not put that on a mixtape for someone you like. Unless you're, you know, unless you're a freak and you like freaks. And I don't mean freak like uh, in a negative way. I mean like you're 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 a freak. You're freaky. If that's the kind of song that would get you romantically or sexually excited, then you are a freak. Sorry. <laughs> Newsflash. Nothing wrong with it. Let the freak flag fly, as they say. See, now that I'm a dad, I can say shit like that. Well, you know, just let your freak flag fly. Fly it high. Turn your freak flag into a, a lovely kite and check the weather report, and then perhaps on a windy day, you could go to a park or some other sort of area that's wide open, a field, yes, and fly that freak flag. Look, fly your freak flag. Fly it high. Fly it so high. Shoot for the stars, kids. I can say shit like that now that I'm a dad. Um, I would love to write a song like that and turn it into my publisher. Hey, guys, got a new jam. It's sort of Billie Eilish meets Guar. It's called Arm a Goddamn Motherfucking Geddon. You think we could get it on Grey's Anatomy by season 28? And they're all in their offices in New York and L.A. and London shaking their heads. Little tears roll down their faces in the conference room. By the way, surprise twist, they're tears of joy, bitch, because that song is going to be on Grey's Anatomy season 39. It's going to be a long montage scene as well, featuring the song. I will then make a million dollars. I will then invest... Almost all of it into real estate and continue playing country music. Okay? <sighs> it's no secret that I like the new Alice in Chains record. It's very, very good. I never would have checked it out if my friend Darren Edwards had not given me the record. He very generously gave me the vinyl copy of it. And it's not that I... <laughs> How do I put this? How do I say it? I love Alice in Chains. I am a deep uh, cut, hardcore Alice fan. It's just that after Lane died, I just kind of quit paying attention. I did see them live, open for Velvet Revolver in 2006, and it was awesome, but they weren't really promoting any new... They hadn't made any new music, and that's kind of when I got disinterested, because I, I admit to you, fair listener out there in Metal Up Your Podcast land, that I wasn't interested in them, in what they're writing would look like without Lane, even though Jerry wrote most of the shit. So, happy to report that Darren gave me Rainier Fog, and it is wonderful. The writing is great. It sounds like old Alice. William Duvall sounds great on it. Sean Kinney and Mike Inez are still kicking ass in one of the coolest rhythm sections to come out of the Seattle scene. And it would be really difficult for me to pick a favorite off their new album, Rainier Fog, but... I did choose one. It's called Maybe, and you can listen to it right here on Metal Up Your Podcast or on my goddamn motherfucking radio. Long gone the days of summer In LA it stretches longer
never said it felt right Even though I got a dog in this fight Just a perfect blend of facelift and dirt, their first two full lengths. I think it does. Maybe you disagree. I don't know. Maybe you don't like Allison Chains. Maybe you don't like me. Maybe you don't like Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. Believe it or not, we have people that really don't like us who listen to every fucking episode. And good God, I wish they wouldn't. But we do. And that's okay. There's room for them. There's room for everything. 
Everyone still doing okay out there in Metal Up Your Podcast land? Metal Up Your Podcast Radio-ville? I sure am excited about giving away these S&M tickets. We have these two S&M, two tickets for September 8th in San Francisco. We're giving away. Go check out the Patreon for that. Lots of cool stuff at the Patreon. You get cover of Black and Volume 1 and 2. Volume 3 is coming out soonzies. You get the Lunar Satan stuff. It's cool. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. This next band is a band called The Great Book of John. And believe it or not, these were some friends of mine, sort of local heroes in Birmingham. And like most cities that you all live in as well, especially for those of you who are musicians, enough time goes by and you sort of define eras by bands that you were in or your friends were in and these bands get big and maybe they they play all the clubs and they're on all the flyers around town they never really make it through that or out of that they make some cool records and then it's cool they kind of you kind of feel like you have this little special thing that no one knows about um although i have always been more of the type that wanted all of my favorite tiny little bands to get huge i always wanted the damn wells to be huge you know um there's a, another great band in Birmingham called Through the Sparks. I always wanted them to be huge. A band called Blue Epic. A band called Wayne. Um, I could put a playlist together of some of the coolest music. And that's just Birmingham. Let alone all the cool bands in Kansas City and Salt Lake City. And, you know, the bands that aren't huge from from Seattle. Or maybe the bands from, uh, you know, the suburbs of Chicago. Really cool bands in Flint, Michigan, probably. Right? Evansville. Nolansville, cool bands in Fresno, fucking everywhere. But anyway, I can't. I don't have all those stories. Maybe some of you have them. These are my stories. Now, this is a band called The Great Book of John. Really great stoner rock. Um, the record itself is really beautiful. I kind of chose one of the more rocking songs on it, and uh, led by uh, a guy named Taylor, who when I first met him, he was playing in little coffee shops doing the whole uh, Jason Mraz like. <laughs> acoustic guy with a hemp necklace guy thing. Ryan Carabra. Remember that guy? Holy shit. That music was really big for a minute. And uh, a lot of really talented people were siphoning their talents into that. Thank goodness um, he quit doing it. I do think he had a tough road with uh, some hard drugs, namely some heroin, which may or may not have informed how beautiful this record is, but this is a song, nevertheless, called Blackheart, and I think you're going to like it. It's got a bitchin' solo in it, too. So let's check into some Great Book of John. Oh 
Great Book of John, Blackheart. That was one of those bands that you'd go see them play, and it would almost be you'd almost be scared in the audience, you know, like. They were very intense, and um, there was a band called Wild Sweet Orange that did kind of make it a little bit. They had a hit, and I think they did all the, like the TV stuff. They were little darlings, and uh, that band sort of that and that band was led by Preston Lovingood, super talented cat in Birmingham. We're still buds. When that band didn't work out, the Great Book of John's kind of what Wild Sweet Orange became, and uh, Chip Kilpatrick on drums, Rebecca Fox on vocals. I never knew the bass player. I think his name was Garrett. Um, and they're all in other bands now doing, making up more beautiful music like that. God bless them for doing it. Now I'm going to give you a break from obscure stuff that you don't know. I'm sure most of you know this next band, a little band called Pantera, which is definitely in my top five metal bands. Um, gotta go with Vulgar Display is my favorite record, but this deep cut from, um, from Far Beyond Driven is just always just kind of on the heels of being scared by that great book of John. This song has always really scared me. And, you know, I grew up loving horror films and loving the thrill of being scared, especially in like a safe environment. You know, that's kind of what horror movies do is they allow you to play with taboos within yourself and to confront your fears in safe environments. Um, my actual online moment, my online moment of all life, my earliest memory is watching The Nightmare on Elm Street. Not The Nightmare on Elm Street. Watching Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. And it was at my grandparents' house, and they just put me in front of the TV. You know? So they could do other shit, I guess. That kind of parenting and grandparenting um, was much more common in the 80s and like early 90s. A lot of just go go get out of the house or go do something and be safe and let me live my life. Which I can tell you now is highly contrasted with the uh, I'm up my kid's ass all the time and I love it. Um, you know, my wife and I often have conversations. Are we doing enough? Are we, you know, are we affirming her enough? Are we giving her enough opportunity? Are we validating her feelings enough? And I tend to, of the two parents, I tend to be like, um, we're doing pretty good. And my wife kind of always thinks we can improve, which is good. Like, it's good to always have, be reaching further and stuff. But she just didn't <laughs> grow up like me. I'm like, yeah, um, I validate, like, all of my daughter's feelings. My first memory is watching Nightmare on Elm Street alone when I was, like, three. So anything that's not that um, is good good is better um but my wife had very like attentive parents her whole life so she doesn't and I kind of did too you know what I'm saying like it was just different I had a single mom raising a bunch of kids she was working she was tired I was kind of a little rap scallion running around coming home like with broken fucking legs and shit because I'm jumping out of trees and I got caught once I found a bunch of my grandfather's bullets and I was hitting them with hammers to see what would happen um Doing shit I shouldn't have been doing, doing drugs and getting drunk at a young age and smoking and all sorts of crazy shit. It's sort of a miracle that I survived all that. But I look at what we're doing with our kid and I'm like, I think she's okay. Now, the flip side of that is, and I tell my daughter, well, I don't really tell her this. I'm kind of joking, but it's a little bit above her head. I'm like, well, you'll never be an artist probably <laughs> because 
you know, you're growing up in a loving environment. You know that you're loved. All of your needs are met, particularly emotionally. And uh, it's going to be hard to write a good song when, uh, when that's what you've been dealt with. Now, back to the scariness of the song. I'm talking about a song from Pantera called Shedding Skin. I don't really know what he's talking about. It's an interesting theme with me. Like, I really love lyrics, and I love the journey you can go on with lyrics. And yet, in many of my favorite songs, I don't really know what the hell they're talking about. And I don't really want to know. You know what I'm saying? People ask me all the time about songs that I write. What's it about? What are the lyrics about? And it's kind of like, well, it's about all sorts of crazy shit in my head. And I don't really usually understand them until many, many years later. And then there's these nice little gifts to yourself. Or sometimes they're nice little embarrassments, and you're like, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking about? I don't know how Phil Anselmo uh, feels about his work in Pantera. He seems to be proud of it. There seems to be a sadness around him that they never were able to get back together and make music, that Dime is gone, and that the legacy is marred. And it's weird, because in some interviews he seems really smart and really cool, and then in other interviews he seems like a total dumbass racist dickhead I don't know and thankfully the music doesn't really have to answer for much of that so this is a song called Shedding Skin it fucking rocks there's some great beautiful double kick drum in it some great dime back work very creepy Phil Anselmo vocal let's dig into it
Shedding Skin Pantera, one of the heaviest jams from an already very heavy band, of course. The Mighty Pantera. They never played that song live. And I'm guessing it was either hard to sing or hard to play or both. I don't know. Maybe too much of a bummer. Too too much of a fucking psycho soundtrack. Although they do have a song called Psycho Holiday. I don't think they were worried about being too dark. Also, many moments of that song definitely foreshadow the band Mudvayne. Uh, very clear that Mudvayne listened to a lot of Pantera, particularly that era of Pantera. When they were little babies with their little guitars, learning their first little chords with their first little amps. And that is a song I just wrote called Little Mudvayne. It's a lovely masterpiece. We're just sitting here on a Friday afternoon, having a good time. The weather's beautiful. It's nice here in Nashville. I wish I could say that tomorrow I'll hang out with my family all day, enjoying the weather and the off time, but no, I will be in Dallas, um, probably watching a bunch of Real Housewives do cocaine. Just kidding. They'll be doing it privately in their trailers. Um, 
on set, we'll probably just be sitting around. You know what we did? This is very unlike me. But I went and got a football and a Frisbee for the bus. Because I'm like, you know what, guys? We need to be more active. We need to get out, quit watching fucking golf and ESPN and drinking LaCroix and wandering around drinking too much coffee and taking naps we don't need. Something about being on the road where you'll just take a million naps that you don't... Like, in normal life, it's like, hey, do you want to maybe pause and take a nap for a few hours? It's like, what? I can't. What do you mean, take a nap? On the road, it's like, well, okay, my first... Well, lunch is at noon. Catering's at noon. Soundcheck is at 4. And the show's at 10. So maybe you're getting some work done, maybe you're mixing a song, maybe you're we've well, sometimes we sit outside the bus and write songs because there's several other dudes in the band are songwriters also. Uh sometimes you throw a football, sometimes you watch a movie. A lot of times you go lay down and take a goddamn nap. And I'm not proud of it, folks. I am not proud of that, but it is what happens. Here's something I am proud of. I got to see this next band called Wolf Alice, a lovely band from the UK. In a tiny club here in Nashville, because I suppose it was right before they blew up. They're doing great. Their shit rocks. This is from their first album called My Love is Cool. I've played a song of theirs before called Giant Peach. Now, this song's called Your Love's Whore. It's very cool. I encourage you all to check it out. Go see them live. I'm sure they're playing somewhere near you. They hop back and forth between Europe and the States all the time. Because they're in that really fun phase of a new band that's that's got some buzz where... Their management or whoever is like, get the fuck out on the road. Take it to the people. And that's what they're doing. And hopefully they don't, they don't go Fleetwood Mac on us. Hopefully they don't have sex with each other too much to the point where it breaks up the band. Hopefully they don't do drugs too much to the point where it breaks the band up. And uh, they've already put out a second record, so we're looking okay. But, you know, this is one of those bands that well, I want them to go the distance, you know. I want to see what their what their perspective is in 10 years. So this song's called Your Love's Whore. It rocks. I love them. They're Wolf Alice. Check it out.
All right, Wolf Alice, great kind of shoegaze, post-rock, stoner, post-Malone. I love all the weird categories now. It's like, it's so hard just to be like, well, it rocks. It's just a rock song. I understand that. People like to categorize things. People like to make lists, and people like to separate everything out so it's digestible and easy to explain. And I understand all that. But I guess at the end of the day, that shit just rocks. Wolf Alice, check it out. Really good. The record's called My Love is Cool. I've played the Giant Peach before. There's another really great song called Bros. I used to do this thing. I need to do it again. Maybe do it through the Metal Up Your Podcast uh, Instagram where I'd be on the road. I was doing it mostly when I was in vans. And uh, this, you know, I have several thousand followers over on Instagram, most of them uh, music lovers that I've made contacts with through my travels making music. And I used to just ask everyone, what's your current favorite song? And I would invariably get 50 to 100 responses, and I'd go to make a Spotify playlist of those songs and listen through them. I wouldn't like all of them, but the you know some of them would stick out to me, and I'd go buy the records. You know, well, one of those was Wolf Alice. Someone, probably one of my friends in the UK, uh, mentioned a song called Bros, B R O S. I jammed on that and thought, well, and then I heard Giant Peach and thought, oh shit, this is really really good. So. I don't know. It's ask your friends what they're digging, what they're into, you know, get turned on to something. Everyone's got a different perspective. They got their ear to the ground in a different way. Uh, speaking of that, I will never forget going to see this next band, a perfect circle on the tour of this record. I'm about to play called 13th step. They had put out Meridanam. It was huge and massive tool was also still huge and massive. And then they made this, uh, their follow-up and people didn't really like it right away. I never really had a problem with it. I loved the first song, The Package. I loved Weak and Powerless. There's a really great deep cut called Blue. I saw them play live. It was general admission, and I waited forever, and I ran to the very front. It was a scary experience when uh, Perfect Circle started playing because it got kind of rough up there, and I was just truly stuck. Um, But... It was a wonderful show, one of the best shows I've ever been to. Josh Fries was in the band playing drums. Uh, Jordy White was on bass, James Hehaw on guitar, and then, of course, Billy Howardell and Maynard. And um, what can I say? It was phenomenal. If you're a hip to that band, then you already know what's up. This was a single from 13th Step. And in, in the heavy world, I remember kind of in my normal rock days, or maybe like in the pop days, you never liked the single. You know what I mean? The single was always kind of like, nah. Like, Crash Into Me, for example, was like the big hit from the record Crash, and I hated that song. I still hate the song Crash Into Me. You know what I mean? Uh, what Would You Say was the single from the Dave Matthews' first record, Under the Table and Dreaming. I never liked that until recently. I don't know. There's just always that stigma, like, oh, the single, whatever, whatever. It's the pop thing will sell the record. But this was the single from uh, this record, and I think in hard music a lot, the singles are fucking barn burners. So um, I'll leave you with this. I might say a little bit um, afterwards, but this is The Outsider from A Perfect Circle. Let's check it out. Desires your 
And that was A Perfect Circle with The Outsider, one of my favorite songs. I don't know if they make bands like that anymore. I don't know if bands that good at that level happen anymore. It's an interesting new frontier I think we're on with music and with heavy music in general. But the boys are touring Europe and Ghost is opening and uh, all is well in the Metallica world. All's well in Metal Liquid Podcast Land. Thank you so much for being on the ride with us and for listening and sending us funny shit on the socials and uh, sending us nice emails. For those of you on the Patreon train, we couldn't do it without you at this point. For sure, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, so go check out Patreon if you want to give back to the show, if you think the show has value. And uh, go join us on the socials. If you go to our website, there's a mailing list. We don't hound you too much. We just send you some nice shit. For example, the last people on the mailing list got the Way Your Crap jingle, which I know they were just dying to, to hear and uh, uses their alarm clocks and play at their children's baptisms and other assorted religious events. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we try to make this an interactive and fun space, you know, while we're while we're doing this Metallica project. So uh, once again, thanks a lot. Couldn't do it without you. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Do something fun. Do something for yourself. Believe in yourself. And we'll see you on the flip-flop. Peace. <laughs>